Aloha, and welcome to SUP FM, the podcast for stand-up paddleboarders everywhere. So with no further ado, let's get out on the water and on with the show. Here are your hosts, Nick and Simon. Hi, John. Welcome to SUP FM. Hi, thanks. Oh, it's great to have you. Thanks for you coming all the way live from uh, England, right? Yeah, from the UK, from the uh, beautiful Devon coastline down in the southwest. We actually had a little look at your um, head office, and I think on Google Earth, it looks like you're in the middle of nowhere. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, we are pretty much in the middle of nowhere. People, got, people can never find us, which is which is the way we like it. You know, we like to be. Uh, if, if, if you if you have to phone us, uh, phone us up to find us, then uh, you know you're, you're not interesting enough to. To come here, <laughs> <laughs> we're quite close. We've got some good waters around. We have some rivers, um, some estuaries, and also some really good coastal paddling. So we're quite well well positioned. So you you can be able to test the product really yeah. close by. Yeah, we could be on flat water within six minutes, and we can probably be in this uh, on on coastal waters in about twenty five. So. Yes. So how often do you get out to paddle? Uh, yes, as often as possible, really. I mean, um, this week. Uh, I haven't been out this week, but this weekend coming, I'll be out, and um, yeah, so yeah, a few times a week. That's the normal, the normal plan. Great. Um, but I'd just like to to chat a little bit about um, the technology in the sub industry and how it's changed, because because you guys started in two thousand and eight, right? Yeah, that's that's kind of when we yeah when we uh, had the idea to to form the brand, and um, yeah, we've been it for a while. And um, so, how did how have you seen the the advances of technology in stand up pedal boards over the over the last few years? Yeah, and obviously we're we're in the inflatable side of things, so um, you know that's moved on a pace really from from the early beginnings and the early materials, mostly because you know the brands and have have, have forced it that way because they, because of the requirements for for new materials or different types of thicknesses and things. Um, you know, so obviously the inflatable. Paddleboard material wasn't designed purely for inflatable paddleboards, or originally for paddleboards. You know, it was for other other industries and other markets. Um, so we we were originally just using what was available, and then we've been able to sort of change it, um, adapt it to us. So um, the, for us, the the major um, the, the major interest is in inflatable products, um, and yeah, we've seen a, a good change in that. And your boards use PVC, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, all inflatable boards are pretty much PVC. Um, was it always that way? I mean, was the first inflatable board made of PVC? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always always been the way. Oh. Yeah. Okay, but um, I think from what I understand is that the, the inflatable boards seem to be divided into two different distinct categories. You know, the single skins and the the four layer boards. Yeah, definitely. Is that- yeah, I mean, uh, you could just buy the material at stock and and you know put a basically put a seam around the outside to keep the air inside and. Um, um, you, you can make yourself a board, but as we, we would know those as single layer boards, um, and yeah, they're not they're a they're a board as such, I suppose, but they're not really they're not that effective. They're you know they're, they're, they lack the stiffness uh, and the performance that you really want, were after. And that's our our kind of aim at Red Paddle is to produce a board that feels authentic. It's it's not a compromise, and so that's where you know the the extra layers, the rail constructions. The pressures, the thickness of the boards all come into play. So yeah, there's major, made two major constructions. One is single layer, one is double layer. But of course, then you've got multiple different types of rail construction, and the rail construction plays a huge part on in in the the shape, consistency of the of the board, but also in in the stiffness and durability of the board. So that's that's another major consideration. 
Okay, and the density of the drop stitching, does that really play a role in the stiffness as well, or the rigidity? Yeah, definitely. Well, it definitely pay, pays part in the, in the rigidity because it's related to pressure. So, you know, if, you, um, if you've got more threads inside your boards, you can, it can support more pressure. Um, it makes the board slightly heavier, but, uh, of course, you know, we're, not, we're, we're really concerned about performance, you know, the authentic paddleboarding experience you get when you paddle the board and what it feels like. That's what we're, mm-hmm. that's what we're aiming. Okay. So what do you say to people who are you know, diehard, hard paddleboard fanatics and they say, oh, I don't want to paddle an inflatable. <laughs> yeah, well, they're, 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 blow up board. They're, I think the opinion is changing uh, across, you know, across the whole, the whole industry and, and particularly, you know, the, the hardcore guys. But of course, I say to those guys, well, what do you want to use it for? You know, if you want to put in rail to rail carving turns and, you know, throw the tail out on, on a surf wave or you want to go and race against Connor Baxter or Danny Ching and, you know, and be, be up there in the top 10 in the world or top 20 in the world, you know, events like Battle of the Paddle, then, yeah, sure, don't, don't go and buy an inflatable board. That's not the board for you. You go, go and invest a lot of money in carbon technologies uh, and, and get down the gym. You know, that, that's going to that's gonna be, be your, your winning thing. But if you, in my mind, for, for what we're seeing as the mass market consumer, you know, the, the kind of um, the, the guy or girl that goes paddling the weekend with friends and family for a social activity or for fitness, but, you know, it's generally, it's, it's a vehicle they're using to, to travel around on, you know, a bit like you would buy a bike and pedal around the town or city or up in the hills for fun at the weekend rather than being, you know, a lycra clad carbon bike owning, you know, nutcase that you know, counts, <laughs> counts calories and carbohydrates. I can say nutcase because a lot of my friends do that and they are nutcase, but, uh, you know, um, mm-hmm. that, that's but, but the difference. But saying that as well, I, I remember Dave Kalama seemed to write an open letter a few months ago, I yeah, think, yeah. about um, changing the whole race structure into sure. inflatable pedal boards. You must have been delighted to hear that. Uh, yeah, that's good. Well, you know, we, when we started making race boards, for example, you know, there was a consideration internally with us as the brand sitting down and, and saying, well, you know, let's make a one design class. But actually, after talking about it, I thought, well, hang on, no, no, let's not make a one design class. That's actually that's almost opposite to what we want to do because we want the inflatable board initially to, to be judged against all others you know we, let's not pigeonhole it let's not ring fence it down the end of the beach and say look it's a special class you have to have a special board to paddle in it and, we, and so our aim was always to try and develop that board so it was um as good as a hardware or you know was comparable so for what, what dave was saying was is absolutely correct you know that there there could be a time when um you know that would would make sense to have everyone racing on inflatable boards it definitely would make the the cost of travel would open up the um, open up events worldwide to people. You know, really, really address that issue of transporting product um, and boards around the world. So, yeah, I'm of course agree with him, but um, it's whether or not the community wants to accept it. And that's really you can't force it on them. You know, that's you know, athletes uh, are, are opinionated people, and they will always go with, for the best product almost at any cost. So you can't force them to do something. You can't say you everyone's going to race on inflatable boards because Unless they want to, they won't do it, you know. So we're not pushing that point necessarily, but we we definitely think yes, it's possible. It could happen, and and why not? We would definitely embrace it if it happened. Sure, I think um, just correct me if I'm wrong, but Nash seems to be doing a one design hmm. race series with their inflatable. Yeah, they do. Right? They've done one for a while, oh, okay. and they would. Yeah, okay. and uh, we just chose not to go down that route because it, I, I felt that that one design inhibits uh, development because it's one design in its very nature you're saying and unless you're changing every year in which case it's not one design you're kind of stuck you'll get stuck with with an old product you know and the speed of which things are happening now if you if you were three years ago 
saying I see one design class, you know, and you're going to keep it for te- ten years, then you're going to be it's going to be like paddling a dinosaur, you know, in ten mm-hmm. years' time. So we didn't really want to necessarily go down that route. Um, okay, but with red racing, um, how do you do? Are you sponsoring um, children's initiatives? Because I saw something about um, some red race pedals, red boards were available for kids to race. They just have to hop on yeah. and ride. Yeah, so we have the Max Race, which is the ten six Max Race, which is. Um, a kids racing board it has our patented stiffening system on the side it's proper race shape it's race colors um it's a real board for for the younger paddler and actually this weekend we have an event in Mallorca in um in spain which is um part of the euro tour and that's got um uh, that, uh got a kids race and everyone is one design racing on the max race and the same in the uk we've got a bunch of events happening uh where we are we have kids racing on the max race to just try and give them a step up because you know th- we've all been there with kids, you know, getting involved in competition and, you know, you're going to, you're going to smash the thing to pieces. So, uh, having an inflatable that kind of works is safer for everybody. It's easier to travel around with. Um, and yeah, it kind of ticks all the boxes for, for a, a kid's piece of equipment. Yeah. Cause that's the first thing that kids do in my school. They just jump on the boards. Of course. And, uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so it's nice that I, yeah, I've also got a few reds, so they yeah. don't generally destroy them, which is nice. Um, but as far as technology goes in, in the industry, um, have you seen, I saw something that a guy developed in Mauritius or Reunion. It, it was basically a half inflatable. I'm not sure if you came across that. Yeah, actually, we did that about 18 months ago. We have, um, if you were here in the office, I could show you. But we had a hardtail um, system. Um, and it was, uh, we had quite a long way down the development route with it, really. It was very similar to Matt's, Matt Pendle's board. Uh, I know Matt. And um, it, we, we actually stopped the, de- we stopped the development of it really because, um, not because it didn't work, it did work, but it, it didn't it didn't add enough of an advantage um, to really think. It, you know, it wasn't comparable to. So we had a nine foot board. It wasn't comparable to a nine foot hardboard in in real true surfing rail to rail performance. And so when when that was the case, we think, well, actually, who's going to buy this? Who would actually take this as a as a as a product? Because um, you probably, if you're really into surfing and you want to travel with your board, which is ultimately why Matt's done it, is. Um, I think most people would take the pain of paying the excess baggage or getting the baggage handler damage. Uh, they would do that to, to allow them to have the hardboard rather than taking a compromise of having of having an inflatable board. So, I mean, I like what he's done. It's good, you know, and, and I'm sure he'll develop it further. But we had we had attentions elsewhere, you know, we had uh, motivations to do other things, um, and so we actually we put it on put a, put that project on ice for the now. But we, yeah, we had it fully fully done about 18 months ago. Uh, that's great so what other curious projects have you got lurking around the headquarters uh, yeah you have to come and open the special door and have a look inside but uh, yeah we, we, sounds like a bond factory yeah we do have a little we have a workshop area and a design studio so we we do a lot of um so we have a 3d printer we do a lot of 3d printing prototypes so whether it's a handle or a leash attachment or a paddle clip or something like that we can we can we can use our 3d printing technology to to prototype that here much quicker than we could before um and that comes down to all, all parts of the board. We actually even would print out a board shape to look at it, you know, in, in miniature to have a look at how it looks, um, you know, the lines of it and stuff. And we do, yeah, we do various things. So our Titan pump, for example, which is our new uh, super fast pumping uh, process, we we pretty much built the whole thing out of 3D printed parts to start with, uh, and then slowly migrated it across to um, to other, you know, harder, more solid prototyping um, for testing. But, um, the Titan pump sounds incredible. I'd love to get my hands on one. Mm-hmm. But some other people have said, um, "Yeah, that's just a gimmick." So I said yeah. to them, "Well, have you have you tried it?" 
So and they said no. No. But, uh, yeah, um, yeah. How 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 real is it? I mean, does it actually really really have the time? Yeah, we're not into gimmicks. It's hundred percent real. I mean, th- th- there's a. There's a consideration, as you'll know, if you pump, if anyone will know, if they pumped up an inflatable board. There's there's two considerations um, when you're pumping a board, and that's the time it takes you and the effort effort required to get to reach your desired pressure, whatever that pressure might be. Um, and so, those two things are actually are then as you could split those out into two further points, and that's volume and pressure, and they're two almost completely separate uh, things. So, volume obviously is how much air you get inside the board. So, when you're pumping up a board. Uh, that is, um, let's say it needs 300 litres of air. You know, you've got to get 300 litres of air from the atmosphere that you're standing in, squeeze it down a small pipe and put it in a board. Uh, but obviously that takes time and it takes effort. Um, now, the quickest way to get that air into a board is to have a really big, like a dustbin-sized pump that you just push down on five times and whoop, your board's full of volume. But then you've got to put the pressure on top of that. You've got to load the pressure on top. Uh, and so that, if you try to do then push your dustbin lid down, it's not going to go anywhere because you're pushing too much volume into the board. So what we try to do is, is you know, obviously we uh, we understood that you've got to get the volume in, but then you've got to be able to then basically change gear so you can uh, put put the pressure in on top because you need to be able to push less volume per stroke when you get to the pressure phase. So the Titan pump works by having two cylinders um, that combine into one airflow. So as you're pumping um, in, in a two-cylinder mode, you're getting the, you're getting that air into the board much quicker, and you can all appreciate whether it's a board that you've pumped up or a, a beach lilo or an airbed that you're standing there for a couple of minutes and you're looking at the thing and thinking, is this even going up? Is this thing? Am I do, am I wasting my time? Here? Is this, and that's kind of what happens when you've got a, a pump for a paddleboard. People are pumping away for ages, thinking, I'm not sure this is working. But the uh, but the Titan pump because it's putting in so much air. I mean, the, the velocity per stroke that you pump, there's a speed of air that you pump out of that pump is 61 miles an hour. Uh, compare that to about 28 miles an hour on a standard paddleboard pump. So you can imagine 61 miles an hour of air going into your board, that's going to pump it up really fast. Of course, it gets to a point where it's too difficult. So you just switch, uh, flick a switch. Uh, it then exhausts the, the air from the larger chamber, and you then get down to a, a, a high-pressure chamber, which is a narrower chamber. Um, it's got widened handles, setback feet, so the ergonomics are correct. So actually, you can pull up to high pressure much, much easier. So it's by by far and away not a gimmick. It is 100% real. Uh, it makes a massive difference. So I'm totally sold. How do I get that? <laughs> Good, <laughs> <laughs> but no, are they are they for sale at the moment, or just through distribution? Yeah, they're available with all our new boards, basically. Uh, so if you buy a 2015 board, um, you, you you can get a Titan pump with a board. Um, and at the moment, they're not available as a, a standalone item, um, but no, we foresee that would happen eventually in the future. Okay. Right. Uh, anybody is anybody else copying that, or is it is it a red patent? Uh, it's our registered design. Yeah, I'm sure people are trying to copy it, but um, it's uh, it's actually quite a difficult thing to copy because um, the concept is there, but actually you've got to be able to, you know, build the molds and to get the the, the channeling of the air correct and uh, the size of the chambers correct and stuff. So it's not a straightforward copy, but um, yeah, mm-hmm. well, we're we're focused. I mean, it's a fantastic idea. I suppose it stemmed, like evolved basically from, from the larger, um, the two types of pumps that you had previously and you just married them together. Yeah, right? basically with a little bit of clever um, chan- switching, channeling yeah. switching at the top. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's it. We went through so many prototypes to come, you know, we wanted to go away from this idea of double action because uh, double action pumps are where you push down and then you pull up and you pump on them both up and then a downstroke. You know, we, that's where we started six, seven years ago. And that's what, that's what we had. Um, and we moved away from it really quickly because we realized pulling up you're using your arm muscles and, and who, who are the people that struggle the most to pump a paddleboard up are the lighter weight people who don't have big 
muscles you know, don't muscles. so pulling up is only good for a few strokes and if you get too tired so then you end up having to switch that bit off and then you only work on the downstroke so then you're back to kind of square one so um mm-hmm. yeah no we did a lot of development on it. so what about electric pumps have you have you been down that route yeah i mean there, there's there are pumps available i mean electric pumps um you've got a couple of issues one that you know the standard sort of uh, 12 volt cigarette lighter attachments into your car that they don't have enough power um to power a pump that's capable of pushing a, high, a really high volume and high pressure so when you end up basically melting the dashboard of your car I and mean, you won't the, the thing that the fuse will blow then but uh, that's the basic concept so you've got to then go with a, the crocodile clip onto the car battery well if any of us drive a modern car then it's quite difficult to find the battery these days they're really well buried underneath some you know if you've got a van it's under the floor you gotta unscrew the floor panel to get it to it um so that's one consideration then you've got batteries obviously but you know batteries need charging up so you still need a charging point and then batteries are heavy pumps are heavy um and again you have the same consideration you have to have volume and pressure and you know your average uh 50 quid 30 quid 30 pound 30 euro um car tire pump that you can buy from you know auto spares places that they're, they're great for pumping up car tires which have probably what 20 20 liters of volume but we're talking 300 liters of volume so that you'll be staring at that thing forever going is, is this going up you know in it it's rattling away in a car park, noise pollution everywhere. And you could have pumped up two bores in the time it takes you to pump up one of those, probably with, a, with one of those. So that doesn't really work. Uh, it, it works to top it up once you've hand pumped it. Um, and there are some other, yeah, there's some pretty good ones actually. There's a good Bravo BTP12 pump that, that goes to about 14 and a half psi. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just the, it's the same with the hand pump. You've got the issue of volume and pressure, and that's uh, th- there's not really anything that's on the market that's affordable really that um and as of the right size and weight that, that works electrically mm-hmm. um so they're available so we, we can we don't say so we can get our workout from the titan pump rather much better idea yeah well you get yeah you're gonna get less of a workout because it's, it's easier and, and uh and quicker but um yeah after sure. is hand pumping is the best solution um unless you want to spend a lot of money or you have direct you know you've got a massive we have a huge our whole um workshop and office here is is wide for um for air so we have a big huge compressor tucked away in the back um, and that's feeding through these airlines everywhere so pretty much wherever you in any room you're in here you could pump a board up with an airline because we do that quickly for uh uh, for testing and stuff, but you know this this thing is the size of a family car. You know you're not really taking that to the beach, have you? So yeah. that sounds incredibly cool. Um, but just uh, talking about pumping up boards, uh, I'm sure you've come across the SIPA SIPA self-inflated mm. board, which has yeah, just yeah. been launched on Kickstarter. What do you think of that about that? Because it's got a little engine in it as well, which is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Again, we did a bit of development about 18 months ago. Uh, we started doing some development with uh, companies like WaveJet um, to in- integrate um, propulsion systems into paddle boards. Um, and I suppose, the, like a lot of things, we we looked and thought, you know, that cost of that is is, is huge. You know, that, that that's actually going to be an expensive board to to buy. Um, especially when you're talking about shipping around the world and then you've got batteries and lithium batteries, you know, they're not that easy things to ship and not that, a lot of those batteries aren't that easy to charge up either. You, you, know, you have to be pretty careful how you charge them up because you, otherwise you'd be setting your house on fire. Um, so there's some pretty major considerations with those. But I like the idea of having something that you push a button, it pumps the board up. Um, I, I haven't seen this since silver board, so I don't know the pressure it achieves, but it's not going, it's not, you're not going to achieve the higher pressures through that system. I, I, I doubt, but um, yeah, it works. And if, yeah, if you're too lazy to paddle, then we'll turn the engine on. But um, you know, come on, we're doing this for a bit of fitness. You know, we want to, we want to. Yeah, keep, for sure. We, we want to keep that. We want to keep that, uh, that that beer belly down. You know, after you've gone to yeah. paddleboard, <laughs> you're going to paddle home and get some, work it off. 
<laughs> but no, great that's concept. Super. That's what you need in, in the industry, isn't it? People driving, doing different things and experimenting and, and well done to those guys. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it looks very much like the 11 Sport. So yeah, well, <laughs> it's a good looking board. <laughs> absolutely. That's, uh... yeah. So um, let's go to um, the history of Red Paddle Co. Mm-hmm. And because um, um, you started in 2008, I mean, obviously paddle, paddle boarding was, was around before then. Yeah. When did you personally realize that SUP was not just a, a fad? Uh, well, I, I don't think we ever really saw it as a fad, actually, for, even from day one. Um, I think like a lot of people, when we first saw it, we were like, we, it wasn't that we were questioning whether it was a fad. We just thought, well, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to stand on a paddle on a board and paddle it? And then, you know, we just tried it and thought, oh, yeah, I understand now. I get it. So that, you know, very quickly, any kind of any issues that we had with it were were washed away. Um, and I don't think, yeah, from that first experience, into the, actually was, which was in 2007, we, we, we never, I don't think we ever then thought, you know, this is a fad. We, we, we could just see the potential for it, uh, both from a personal perspective, you know, and the enjoyment perspective, but all the things it opened up to you how to do. You know, we were all surfers and windsurfers, so it just started opening up doors that were, were never there before. Um, and then, of course, yeah, you see it from a business perspective and you think, well, this is... This has got legs, you know. This could go somewhere. So, um, yeah. But obviously, we came across that whole fad thing. People think, oh, it's a fad. It's a fad. And well, we just, you know, we just kept on going. We didn't, we didn't listen to that. So, um, luckily, and um, yeah, it's that's so that's where we started really. And we started Red Paddle really because we wanted to produce. We wanted to offer a different solution. You know, we we could see that there was uh, hardboards, obviously, and there were hardboards around, and there was some some objections to the size of those and the storage and transportation and all the things we know about um and of course we weren't we didn't invent inflatable boards you know we they were around before we started you know in very small numbers but um we just saw it and thought we know we have our background in uh here is in uh, windsurfing sail manufacturing so um we're building designing and building windsurfing sails so again it's a textile based product not an epoxy based product a hard based product so we it, it uses a similar thought process you know gluing panels joining panels and so it kind of it was for us quite an easy transition to look at uh employing the the, the design ideas from that technology into the paddleboard so that's where red powder cake came from because we thought we could do a better job than okay. is currently available and and how did the company grow because obviously you didn't start as big as you are right now no i, I mean it's i think a lot, we've grown like a lot of paddleboard companies you know we were there early so we were first mover advantage to a point and we are very dedicated paddleboarders ourselves you know we're not uh we're paddlers first and business people second so we we kind of just grew organically in that we set it up we created the brand, we created the product, and then our hope, hopefully our plan was that our passion would, would do the rest, you know, and, and people would contact us and, and ask about it, and we'd then be able to, to to bring them on board. And that's basically how it happened. You know, we we set the brand up. We had the vision for, for where we wanted to go, um, and we we just worked day by day and worked mm-hmm. with each one. They contacted us from each country and each, and each area. To, to grow the brand so yeah it's it was uh, we never have a, we never had a map of how we were going to get there we just had this i guess we had a dot on the in the, in the horizon where we wanted to get to and we, we have a plan how to get there are you at liberty to discuss more or less board volumes and like how many you sell in a year from from starting from starting more or less to more or less how many boards you, you sell every year now uh, i don't want to discuss uh, quantities really no <laughs> but uh, okay. um I, I know I can say that the inflatable market is 
is and will continue to become the, the largest segment of the market, almost without doubt, because just because of the the, the fact that it, it, it meets the um, the demands of the, the Mr. Average, and you know I'm Mr. Average these days. You know I'm I'm not uh, I'm not a hardcore windsurfer surfer guy. I'm going out with friends and family and 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 enjoying the sport and enjoying being outside, and that's where the inflatable market boards are. You know they're really opening up the sport for those people. So yeah, the the growth is good. Uh, the opportunities are, are, are great, and I think the future is is you know, looking really good. Okay, let's talk about Mr. Average because um, we had an interesting chat with Anthony Horkmus from Subtrotter.com. I'm not uh-huh. sure if you're aware of their website. Yeah, yeah. And his analysis saying he the average paddleboarder on his site is 45 years old, which is exactly my age. Yep. So yep. <laughs> I'm just wondering if, if you you reckon that's spot on, or does, is it more or less about the right? Yeah, age I would say for, I would, no. I'd say our profile customer is somewhere between the ages of 37. And, and 49 from our research. So yeah, 45 would be about bang in the middle. So uh, it's about mm-hmm. right, yeah. Okay, and I saw a survey the other day saying there were there were about 150,000 boards sold in the, in the USA in 2015. And I, I'm just wondering if, try, I'm trying to get to some more or less ballpark figures about how many people are out there paddleboarding. And, and like you say, it's very difficult to get an industry overwired analysis. But what, what do you think? Do you think it's 100,000, 300,000, half a million? <laughs> Actually, people paddling. I mean, yeah, it's probably. I'd say it's probably half a million people paddling in the uh, across the world, maybe more. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, actually, their own boards probably a little bit less than that. But there's people, you know, there's guys rental centres and higher locations and stuff. And so, um, yeah, I think global sales are probably are in a region of about 150,000 units for this year. Um- and in the future, do you reckon it's going to continue at this breakneck pace that it's expanding right now? Yeah, I can't really see why it won't really, because if you, you still, and the best thing is you still can talk to people and you say, yeah, I do, I'm, I go stand up paddleboard, and they're like, what's that? And you go, great, you don't know what it is. That's fantastic. You know, I mean, to, then, you know, if you say to someone I play football, they're like, oh yeah, everyone knows what football is, you know. So, yeah. uh, but not everyone knows what paddleboarding is. So you still haven't reached everybody, and the fact that you can paddle, in, you know. Pretty much anywhere there's water, uh, it doesn't. It's not surf orientated. It's not coast orientated. There's huge populations in cities, and again, another thing, another reason why inflatable boards are a great concept. So yeah, I think it kind of works. Um, it works well for yeah, everybody. That's amazing. As I go around telling people about paddleboarding here in Portugal, the majority, the majority of people haven't got a clue what no. it is. That's no. unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's all over the media, but talk, something that's all over the media at the moment is these XL-sized boards. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, do you, Do you think are you guys going to start selling those um, commercially, or, or do you now? Yeah, we do sell them now. Yeah, we sell. We, we but mostly they get bought by um, you know commercial operations, by you know rental centres and schools and stuff, and corporate guys, you know, team building stuff. And um, I think. Uh, I think there's there's a great market for those products, and, it's, and again, it takes the sport into a slightly different area, where an area where there would be, um, you know, you wouldn't be able to do it with a hardboard. You know, you wouldn't be able to create that board with a hardboard. It's too big. You can transport it. Uh, it's too heavy. You know, um, and it just opens up the sport into a, into a fun group activity, which you know, paddleboarding breaks down the barriers of social. Um, interaction in in water sports you know mostly at most water sports uh, are fairly antisocial particularly high end when you get to the high end you know surfing windsurfing kite surfing you're doing on bleak beaches you know and you're trying to get away from other people who don't want to be near somebody else you want to have your own space which partly causes all the conflict in those sports you know or particularly surfing in the lineups um and and so paddleboarding breaks those barriers down immediately anyway 
But then even better is to get four, five, six, seven, eight people on a board and suddenly you've got this social gathering, you know, and they're all together. And um, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic thing. I don't know if you've paddled one, but when you do, it's just, a, it's, you just can't stop smiling, you know. No, I haven't, but I saw the Battle of the Thames. I think they yeah. had a race, actually. Yeah, yeah we did, yeah. 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 <laughs> so do you, re- do you reckon there's going to be um, XL races soon, like proper ones? I don't know if that was just a, a, a joke or if it's a real race. Uh, well, there was, yeah, we had a, we've had two events with races now. So, um, yeah, it's, I, mm. think, I think, yeah, let's, uh, racing isn't a big, necessarily a big part of the sport, but it's a good, fun thing to do. And why not do it in a team, you know, it kind of works quite well. Well, John, it's been Fantastic chatting to you, and um, I just really want to thank you very much for your time. No problem. It's, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been great to hear all about Red Paddle Car. Yeah, thank so, you, thank you for listening to Sup FM, the number one podcast for stand-up paddlers wherever you are. If you like what you've heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. Until then, we'll see you on the water.